If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You don't have to reach financial independence or be a millionaire to unlock freedom in your life. Because once you start putting a plan together with your finances, no matter how small or how little the changes, you unlock freedom at every level. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. Sometimes we put limitations and expectations on our happiness. A lot of the times it sounds like these if-then statements. If I could just make more money, then I'd feel successful. If I had more time, then I'd finally feel free. If I could make more money and have more time, then I'd be happy. Somewhere along the line, these if-then statements convince us that time and money freedom are just beyond reach, that we need to be millionaires to unlock that freedom in our own lives. Jamila Soufrant is a podcaster, writer, money coach, and founder of journeytolaunch.com, where she shares her journey to reach financial independence while helping others to do the same. I have another one for you. If you think you need millions to achieve time, energy, and money freedom right now, then this episode is for you. Jamila and I discuss the stages of financial independence, the concept of spending money in a way that feels good and not just budgeting, and the ways that you can pursue freedom in your life right now. So are you ready? Let's dive on in. Let's launch with Jamila Soufrant. Since I joined the HubSpot Podcast Network, I've been introduced to so many new business podcasts, and I can't resist sharing the goodness with you. If you're a creative business owner or thinking about becoming one, you're going to want to start listening to the Being Boss podcast. Being Boss is an exploration of not only what it means, but what it takes to be a boss as a creative business owner, a freelancer, or a side hustler. Emily Thompson explores topics that I know will be relevant to you because we talk about them here on Gold Digger too. 
She features episodes like Rituals for Creativity, Project Management, and Building Systems for Creatives and Freelancers, and Taking Time Off as a Business Owner, which is perfect because tis the season for some time off. Tune in to the Being Boss Podcast with Emily Thompson wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Jamila, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Gold Digger Podcast. I am so excited to have a conversation with you today. Thank you so much for having me, Jenna. I'm so excited. Okay, so let's dive on in. Personal finance is something that our audience is so curious about. Our finance episodes are some of our top episodes, which I'm sure this one will be just as well. But I want to first start off with what was your personal relationship with personal finance growing up? What did it look like? Like, how did your childhood or early adolescent years guide you to where you are today? Yes, I love this question because it really uh, like allows me to go back to my roots and share the story. You know, my mom was a single mom who had me at only 20 years old, which, by the way, as a mom of three right now who had them (laughs) in my 30s and has more help. I don't even understand how she did it at only 20 years old. And on top of that, so we I was born in Jamaica. My family is Jamaican. So she had me in Jamaica, the island, not the borough. Nothing wrong with the borough of Queens, but (laughs) in the island. And she had to actually leave me behind when she got an opportunity to come to the United States, New York specifically, to set a foundation and hopefully one day bring me up also. And so, again, she had to make a really difficult decision to leave her at the time I was eight months old behind with my grandmother and only 20 coming to a place she's never been before with, you know, some family that she had here and she had to establish herself. She really made something out of nothing. And so I say that because my roots in terms of personal finance comes from the necessity that my mom and my grandmother, who eventually all immigrated here and then I came to, had to understand how money worked. And they didn't you know, know about investing. I was never taught about investing growing up, but yeah. saving was important or making what we had work was important. And so I didn't grow up with a lot, but my mom did her best to instill in me education. And we went to the library every Sunday. You know, those were like things that I remember and seeing yeah. how they built themselves up when they didn't have much resources always had this (laughs) vision in my head. It always gave me this vision that said, you know what? I want to just make a lot of money when I grow up because I knew that I never wanted money to inhibit or be a factor of why I couldn't do something. And so that was always my dream. I would always say, I just want to be a millionaire. I don't know how, (laughs) but I want to be a millionaire. (laughs) And then as I got older, you know, I started to realize what that actually meant. And so one of my first earliest memories was my mom taking me to open up a savings account when I was about six years old. And again, I did not learn about investing thing, but she taught me, listen, I don't care if you have a penny, save that penny, you know, like it saves something. And that stuck with me for a long time, obviously. And it's kind of what provided the foundation to where I am now. That's amazing. And I just commend your mom and your grandma and you, I mean, what an incredible journey, but also how much growth generationally that could happen. That's really, really, really inspiring. So how did you take, you know, your experience of starting your savings account and all of that and like, walk me through how did you become an expert (laughs) in this space? Where did that transformation occur? Okay, let's get into it. And so (laughs) obviously, I didn't just like pop up and know everything about money. But what happened was I started working at the age of 14. So I always had like a summer job. And I always saved, you know, my money here and there when I wasn't spending it to just be able to provide for myself. And when I got to college, I was able to get an internship with inroads, which is a 
program that helps minorities get into Fortune 500 companies as interns. And that was my first taste of real money. Because before, when I was in my teen years, high school, like I was, you know, bringing home, you know, maybe just a minimum wage at the jobs I worked after school. But this was working in a corporate setting in my summer time in college, making decent amount of money. So again, I took that savings discipline when I didn't have much and I started to now apply it to these bigger paychecks. So I started to save my money and I didn't know why I was saving, but it was just something that was ingrained in me is to save. I got the opportunity when I graduated from college to buy something where I created, I should say I created the opportunity to buy a property because I saw my grandmother who again came here with nothing, eventually be able to own property here in Brooklyn. And so I said, you know what? I want to do that. And so I started to look for property. And at the age of 22, I put down on my first pre-construction condominium unit in a place called Dumbo, which is called Stansford down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass in Brooklyn and had to wait two years for it to be completed. But I was able to take a portion of what I saved from my internship and my mom, my mom, bless her heart with, you know, everything she had. She also helped me with that first 10% of down payment. And so this allowed me, this down payment allowed me to eventually close on a condominium unit when it was completed at 24 years old. And I say that it was very risky move at the time. It was like kind of like right in the middle of the real estate kind of bubble. And, but it worked out for me. And, you know, I saw then, you know, the proof that, wow, like look what happens when you prepare for the unexpected and you take chances and you take calculated risk. And from that, I started to work in corporate America. And I said to myself, you know what? I don't want to work for anyone else after the age of 30 because I always was a bit independent and outgoing in that way. I didn't want to be confined to a cubicle. So I started working and I said to myself, well, hmm, how am I going to sustain my lifestyle and pay for my expenses? How am I going to become this millionaire working this nine to five? And so on the side of my job, I would try these things. Like I started an online magazine. I even bought some vending machines. I even got my own personal real estate license because I thought maybe I can sell real estate. And nothing really worked or I was never excited enough to stick with something. And I thought that my dreams of being able to quit my corporate job were just done. Because how was I going to be able to afford the lifestyle that I wanted? And I kind of gave up on my dreams, honestly, after a while, because I started to climb the corporate ladder, make a little bit more money, kind of get into those golden handcuffs a bit. And it wasn't until my early 30s. So this is, you know, I'm now in corporate America. I've kind of given up on my dream of quitting and just living my life the way I want. And I was pregnant with my first child in my early 30s. And I had a long commute. I was commuting from Brooklyn to New Jersey every day. And, you know, when I was like single, not married, no kids, hour and a half in the car, I'll make it work. But being pregnant, it was so miserable. (laughs) And I was, and you know what, this particular day, it was like three hours of traffic to get home, which was definitely not the norm, but it sparked something in me. And I said, you know what, I cannot be stuck and tethered to this job forever. I have to figure something out. And so I had to break down in the car <laughs> and break down <laughs> to my husband. And I said, I'm going to figure something out. You know, maybe I don't know how to become a millionaire. I can't, I don't think that the entrepreneurship route is for me, but I have to figure something out. So I started to Google eventually how to quit my job, how to retire early, all these things. I didn't understand what they meant at the time, but it was just like, maybe anyone listening may have put that in Google search before too. <laughs> yes. And you know, my world was just knocked over because I found out about this idea called financial independence and retiring early, this 
fire movement. And I started to listen to podcasts and I found blogs where people had regular nine to fives and were just saving and optimizing their finances in a way that they could save over time to eventually quit their jobs and travel the world or do something they wanted. And I said to myself, wow, if these people who are teachers who, you know, have just sometimes made less money than what I was making in my corporate job could figure this out, I can too. And so it took a couple of years to get to that point. Like I started to listen to podcasts, read a lot. And then I said to myself, I'm going to figure out how to do this too. It came to my husband at the time. Well, he's still my husband, but came to him at the time and said, <laughs> hey, what about this thing? Because I have this long commute. You work like 10 minutes away from our house. Like, it's not fair. Like, we no. want to have more kids. I want to <laughs> figure out how we can be millionaires in 20 years. And he, you know, that's why he married me. He was just like, you're crazy, but let's, <laughs> sure, let's figure this out. And that was kind of like my start into financial independence and retiring early, the movement. And eventually that's what led me to start Journey to Launch because I said to myself, well, all these other people are talking about it on blogs and podcasts about their journey, but what if I share my journey? And so I started to share how we were optimizing our finances, how we saved $169,000 in two years and how I was going to be able to reach financial independence. And when I started sharing that, people really got interested. They wanted to know how to do it too. And I realized it was more of a lane for me to express myself creatively and to also help others. And that's kind of like how Journey to Launch became born and then eventually became the podcast where I now help other people navigate their journey while still sharing my journey to financial independence. Oh my goodness. I love your story so much. And I love to, I think nowadays, so many of us, we find ourselves like in the forums, in the search boards, up at midnight, Googling things. And we never even stop to think about like, why am I so curious about this? Or what have I learned that I could help apply to other people? And I love that you stepped into that role, even though it probably felt like, who am I to do this, right? Until you saw those results. But so much of our generation is learning from one another. And we have this desire to learn from people who have gone before us. And I just love that. What was it like when you transitioned from being the student, which I'm sure you still are in so many ways, to kind of of being the teacher how did that feel for you yeah well I will forever be the student and yes. I'm still learning you know I love that and you know it's interesting because I tell the story sometimes when I say it it sounds like oh well you had this idea and then you just executed it yeah. and it was not that fast <laughs> so I just want to let anyone know who's listening that you can have an idea and it may take some time to unfold because yes. I didn't think that Journey to Launch will eventually become the thing that gave me freedom before I even had all the money in the bank, right? Yep. Like having this platform and, and having this outlet allowed me to leave my job and reach a level of freedom I didn't have before. And so the transition then was slow. So I didn't just, so now I'm a full-time entrepreneur, but I didn't just like quit my job right away. What happened yep. was, you know, the first child gave me that that spark to want more and to figure something out. I had my second child also still working in corporate America. And then I started Journey to Launch around that time, really officially started it and said, okay, let's just blog about what you're doing. And then, okay, yeah. I don't really like writing. Let's just, let's, let's do a podcast because it's easier to talk kind of thing. Yeah. And <laughs> so that's kind of, kind of how the podcast came to be. But when I got pregnant with my third child, I said to myself, and this time Journey to Launch still wasn't making that much money, but I was learning so much and I saw the potential. And I said to myself, well, I cannot handle the commute that I still had and the kids and the husband mm -hmm. and the business on the side. Something had to go. And it wasn't going to be like the kids or the husband or <laughs> journey to launch. <laughs> so I said, OK, I got to, you know, I got to figure out a way to quit my job earlier because I didn't mention this, but I had made a, a goal that I was going to 
reach my financial independence goal by 40 years old. So once I had missed that 30 year mark to quit my job, I said, okay, I could work in this corporate job, make six figures and just, you know, to stick it out, even if it's going to be miserable, just to get to make as much money as I can. So now I'm at the point where, okay, you have all these responsibilities. Things are kind of, you know, picking up for you. Do you stay in this corporate job with this so-called guaranteed paycheck or do you take a risk and jump into Journey to Launch full time? And so we made the calculated decision after being able to save a bit of money to help cover our expenses as a household because my husband is a teacher. So he doesn't bring in as much money as I was bringing in. So we had to make sure we could cover everything that I'd quit my job. And in doing so, I was able to now I'm at a place where I like to joke that, yes, quitting my job may potentially have delayed how much money I was making up front because, you know, entrepreneurship takes a while to ramp up. (laughs) Uh, But I find that I have more freedom and I'm happier. So it's not even about the money anymore. And that's the kind of message I want to tell people is that you don't have to reach financial independence or be a millionaire to unlock freedom in your life. Because once you start putting a plan together with your finances, you, no matter how small or how little the changes, you unlock freedom at every level. Mm. All right. So you might have heard me talk about CRM platforms and wondered, what the heck does that acronym even mean? A CRM is a customer relationship management platform. It takes any customer interaction like a sale from your website or clicking onto your weekly newsletter, and it transforms that data into valuable insights. Insights like, when do my customers shop? And do my emails really get opened more on a Monday? A HubSpot CRM platform is ready to help connect the dots between your business and your customers like never before. HubSpot is consistently working to make its products more connected than ever. Improved forecasting tools give you a bird's eye view of your entire pipeline to see what's around the corner. You can see how your quarter is going, inspect new deals, and use customizable data-driven reports to improve team performance as you grow. With custom behavioral events, you can get into the details of what makes your customers tick. You can track site behavior and understand your customers' buying habits all within the platform. Learn more about how a HubSpot CRM platform can help connect the dots of your business at HubSpot.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. 
That leads me to this question, which I'm just curious about now because you kind of just touched on it. And I think it is so powerful and so critical is how would you define financial independence? What does that mean to you now? And how has that evolved throughout your journey? Mm, Yes, that's a great question. So financial independence in the technical sense is having enough money in your investments or in passive income that you don't have to actively work. You can literally live off of the income from your investments. Sounds great, right? Yep. <laughs> and so that was, and I mean, and that is the goal. That is the moon goal that I like to tell everyone. That is what people want and strive for. It's just a matter of how long it will take you and what adjustments you have to make to get there. And so when I first started, it was all about the kind of the money side of things, meaning like how much I was able to save and invest. So I mentioned before my husband and I saved and invested $169,000 in two years. That was because of our corporate jobs. And I worked at, you know, and, and I love to also say like just, being fully transparent, our income was a factor of how much we were able to save, right? So we were together making a good amount of money. And so for me, it was like, let's just, let's look at the the bank account rise, you know, like the savings account and the investment account, let's keep working, let me work and then put that money in. And then, you know, I'll live life later. But it was no different almost, obviously, or almost in a way of people who work in a corporate job for 20 years or 30 years that are not happy, but do it for the pension. And so I said to myself, you know, financial independence, you know, there are different levels to it. Now, like I said, the moon goal is when you have enough where you never have to work again. But I find that a lot of people, while that sounds great, it can be a little, it can overwhelming for them because they may be really far off from that, depending on their income or their starting point. And so I like to say that there's different levels to reaching financial independence. And you might, and I have like five levels that you go through to reach the ultimate level. But what happens is for me, as I started to go on my journey, I realized that, wow, you don't need all the money in the world to have freedom. Like I'm not financially independent just yet, but I was able to quit my job. And now I have work flexibility where I can go pick up my three-year-old, you know, from school. And so that to me is the ultimate freedom. And so it's changed a bit because I was able to break it down a bit more that is helpful for me and others so that they feel like they can actually achieve this and want to go on the journey too. Mm, I think that's so powerful. It's so good. So here's a good question for all of our tactical listeners who are like, wait, I want to do this experience. I want to figure out what financial independence looks like for me. I think there are so many different routes and so much convoluted messaging out there of like, where do you start? Do you pay off your debt first? Do you try to make more money? Do you stick it out at the nine to five, start a side hustle, like cut your spending down? Where do you recommend people starting or is it not really a one size fits all type method? Yeah, it's definitely not one size fits all, right? Like you have some people. So the basic things that impact your financial independence journey and it really anyone's money are your income and your expenses. Those two things and the difference between those two things allow you to get to your goals. So you are trying to potentially make as much as you can in a way that feels good. And when it comes to your expenses, spend it in a way that also feels good. And so at some point, people may decide or see when they look at their income versus their expenses that, wow, I'm, you know, I'm not making enough, I need to make more, or I'm spending too much above my means currently. Because that difference is what allows you to save and invest. And so when someone's thinking about this and saying to themselves, wow, I, this sounds good. Like what Jamil is saying is something I can get down with, but what does that mean? How do I get there? It's really important to understand what financial independence means to you. 
how much money would you need on a monthly basis or annual basis to be financially independent? Now, there is this rule, like this general rule. You know, you have all these calculators online that can help you figure out your number of how much you know you need to retire. And this one is like your it's a 25 times rule. So you take your annual expenses. So what you think you may want to spend annually in your retirement or when you're financially independent and, and multiply it by 25. When you multiply it by 25, it gives you a big fat number, depending on how much you want to spend annually. And that typically based on a 4% withdrawal rate. And I could give you links so that everyone like, you know, for more research for people could really do this on their own, see how much they would need to save and invest over time to get there. Now, again, when someone sees that number, it may feel like, wait a second, this is saying I need a million dollars and I have like a negative net worth. How would I get there? <laughs> and that's where the that's where the work begins. And this is why I also broke down financial independence in five stages, because I realized that everyone has a different starting point and there are different nuances. And so first is to identify the stage you're in. So if I can go through the stages, I think this will be really helpful, Jenna, for everyone yep, listening. For sure, so, please do. First stage, I like to call the explorer stage. That's stage one. That is where, you know, you're not even covering your expenses with your income. Maybe things are in the red every month. You have to put things on your credit card. And that's stage one. So the goal in that stage is to really just figure out a way to cover your expenses and to have a budget. And that's stage one. Once you're out of stage one, meaning you have some stability in your finances and you can at least pay all your expenses and mandatory debt payments, you move on to stage, what I like to call stage two, which a lot of people are in, which is the debt payoff stage. So that's your consumer debt, like your credit cards and your high interest rate debt. And so a lot of people spend some, a lot of time in this stage, depending on how much debt they have. And in this stage, you're working to pay off your consumer debt. Now, I don't typically include student loans or car payments in this because, well, car payments you can include, but like student loans and mortgages because they can be huge. But people are working right in this stage to pay off debt. And it could take a couple of years. That's stage two. I call that the cadet stage. And then <laughs> once, you know, I'm going along with my theme of the rocket, right? And so I you're in the it. cadet stage. Then, so what happens now, let's say now you're paying off or you paid off your consumer debt. You now get to go to stage three. So stage three, which I call the aviator stage, that was a stage I was in actually when I first started Journey to Launch. So we didn't have much consumer debt, but we wanted to save and invest our money. And so stage three is all about investing and saving and building up your assets because you don't have as much consumer debt anymore or any because you paid that all off in the previous stage. And so stage three is that aviator stage. You're working on more financial security. And that's what we did when we were saving the huge amounts of money we were saving while I was working. The next stage is stage four, which I do believe everyone can get to. And that's called the work flexibility stage or the commander stage, as I like to call it, where you actually can choose what you want to do for work. So if you want to take off time because you want to travel the world, have a baby, your job is just toxic, maybe your relationship is toxic. You need to basically have more flexibility in your life. You can do that without worrying about your paycheck. And that's the stage I'm currently in and what I think everyone can work towards because you'll have more freedom in that way. And then stage five is the ultimate stage. That's a captain stage. That's where you have financial independence. You literally don't have to work if you don't want to. And so determining where you are in those stages and how long it will take you to move through those stages without being discouraged, because again, it may take you some while in each stage, but understanding that as you go through each stage, 
you will have more freedom. Like, you know, once you pay off that debt, that's one less person you have to pay and you can now invest or do something else that you enjoy. And so that's kind of the messaging or how I like to tell people to view financial independence. It's not just about getting a million dollars in five years, which can seemingly be impossible for some people and is impossible in a way, but it's about breaking it down in a way that is more manageable and is more achievable and accessible for more people. I think that is such an beautiful breakdown. And I think it's really awesome, too, because everyone's goals and needs and situations are going to look differently. And I think that a lot of times we kind of just group things together, set goals that don't necessarily fit our lives or our lifestyles or our dreams. And so I just I love your approach. I want to know. So there was this study that was done one time and I've got to I've got to look it up to find out more about it. But Essentially, someone was asking like maybe 30 different people, like if you could have one thing in the world right now, what would it be? And they just said a million bucks. And it was wild to me that people only thought of a million. If you could ask for anything, why not 10 million or a billion or whatever? Mm, right. Like, and I feel like the million dollar mark is so inconceivable to so many people. It feels like that unicorn that you'll never find. And so I'm curious, how have your goals changed from saying, you know, I want to be a millionaire by 40 or I want to make a million dollars. What has that looked like? Cause I think a lot of people even hear that number and they're like, Oh, that's reserved for, you know, the top 1%. I could never fall into that category. Mm, yeah. You know, I think it's really important. Like mindset. One thing about finance, entrepreneurship, anything is it's all starts from within and your beliefs mm -hmm. and what you think you can achieve. Like if you think you can't, you can't. And so my idea of wanting to become a millionaire, I had no real examples in my real life that that was yeah. possible. But I just there was something within me that felt like it had to be possible. And so I think exposing yourself to people, whether it has to be on the Internet, because that's the closest you can get to people who are achieving these things. But it's realizing that if you have the thought, I truly believe if you have the thought of something that it was it's meant for you to achieve. Like, I almost feel like it's your future self giving you a glimpse yes. of what can be possible. Because I mean, I have no like I don't think about scuba diving, you know, because I don't want to scuba dive. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think about certain <laughs> things in my life or wanting to have a beach house. And I'm and I see a vision of something and I'm like, you know what? That is an indication that that is for me. So I like to say if you are listening to this podcast, if there is an urge, I like to say nudges. You have these like nudges in you that keep pulling you, you know, you keep seeing something that's interesting and pulls your eye or your just piques your interest that it's for a reason. And your first step is to believe that anything is possible for you. And I know it sounds so corny, but I just think about, you know, the chances that we are here today on this earth and the chances that my mom made it here and did what she did. I just feel like yeah. we really can accomplish the craziest things if we allow ourselves to know that we're deserving of it. And so I, I like to start with that belief system of, you know, you got to check your beliefs. And I know it's not easy. I know depending on how you were raised and how money is talked about and your environment, that, that it can be a hard hill to climb, but it's not something that cannot be climbed. You have to try. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. 
A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a hundred dollar credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What does your family think about what you're doing now and everything and seeing what you've built and created from the ground up? Oh my gosh. It's funny. <laughs> I love this about my family. Like my husband, like he is supportive, but he is so not into this like online yeah. world or entrepreneurship. He's just like, okay. Like I was Same. like, oh, I'm going to be on. Yeah. I'm like, I'm interviewing with Jenna today. He was like, cool. Okay. Like, all right. Like, you know, <laughs> Same. So I, love Same. That, I love that my like friends really don't care. Like they yes. really do not care. My siblings, like I even have, I have siblings that are still in Jamaica and, you know, have dispersed throughout Canada. And so like, it's like, I'm still Jamila, but they always said, even my mom, she was just like, you were always this way. You were always so ambitious. And so they just look at me and they're just like, kind of, you know, we kind of expected this. Like, (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. I'm sure they're so proud of you. So I want to know this. This is something I think about. So I was just at Barnes and Noble the other day with my daughter and husband, and we were walking through the business section. And I feel like the financial education world is riddled with a lot of a particular demographic. I'm sure you know what I'm Mm -hmm. a lot of white men. Do you have any pet peeves of that world? Your voice is so needed and it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing to add to this world for so many women. So do you have any pet peeves about the financial education world? Yeah, you know, what's interesting. So yeah, I think mainstream wise, like here's the thing, personal finance is so important. Like, I mean, it's literally the through line in everyone's lives that impacts everything we want to do. Everything we want to do is impacted by money, right? And so you think like everyone should be interested, but everyone is not as interested. And so you have these people that kind of rise to the mainstream media that get all the attention. And so, you know, some of them are, you know, very popular and are more, I would say, just like in a shaming way, talk about money. And it's more salacious and people kind of like to like kind of watch a car accident, like the way 
it's very just very blunt and I think not empathetic to everyone's experience. But so in my at my view and my level, because I'm in this space, I know of so many black women, people of color, men like doing this work that are not the standard white men, you know, that yeah. have podcasts, blogs, online accounts. But I also have to realize I'm in a sort of a kind of like a bubble because I'm in this space. So what yeah. about the people who have no clue? Right. About people like me, like, how do we get more people to know about that? And so one of the things that you asked about, like pet peeves, is just that, you know, not everything is for everyone. Right. Like not everyone is going to relate to the way I speak and my experiences. And that's okay. And so I do think there definitely needs to be different points of views. And so you'll have people who will say all debt is bad, like or do this. And, you know, I'm I get that rules make people feel safe. And so, like, you know, you people want to hear what is your number one rule? And I have suggestions, but I think it's hard to have one standard rule for a society that is so diverse. And so the nuances of being an immigrant, of being a black person, a person of color or a woman or parent, it's different. Your finances are a bit different. And so for someone in the space who has kind of like a platform and just says, well, all debt is bad, not understanding that and tell someone not to invest until they're out of debt completely is basically, I think it's harmful for the people who it will take a long time to pay off debt. And so they're not supposed to build wealth and have compound interest, you know, like work for them. And so I just like to take things more in a balanced way, a balanced approach. I'm definitely empathetic because I, I've been there. I have my family's been there. I have friends that are still in places that, you know, like they're barely getting by. And so I speak to that. Even when I'm speaking about the big numbers, I understand that there are different starting points. And I try to make sure I meet people where they are and not shame them for where they are. Oh, I think that's so, so powerful. Where can everybody find you and connect with you and learn more about you and Journey to Launch? Give me all of the places. Yes. Okay. So I have a podcast called yes, Journey to Launch. So wherever you listen to this amazing podcast, you can find Journey to Launch. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Journey to Launch. And by the way, anyone who is on this journey with me to financial freedom and independence, I call a journeyer. And so if you would like to become a journeyer, it doesn't take much. All you got to do is just really just like listen or follow along and try your best. Like, come on. I love interacting with you guys. And the other place, if you are interested in the podcast and want some quick resources about the most downloaded episodes, we recently surpassed a 2.7 million download mark. Mm -hmm. And so we have some really great episodes and just resources about financial independence itself. You can get my free jumpstart guide at journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. One final question before we end this episode. I am so inspired at the fact that you are a mom to three. What is one financial thing that you are hoping you can pass down to your children, just like your mom set you up in starting your own savings account? What is something that a parent could potentially do to help set their own children up for financial independence? Yes. Okay. I love this. And so I I can't, it's so hard to pick one. Okay. The first thing (laughs) is I think the greatest gift you can give your kids, if you can, I know so many parents want to focus on investing for their kids first, but it's to really make sure that you're okay financially so that your kids don't have to worry about you. And so not having, my mom is very stable, so I don't have to worry about taking care of her on top of my own life. Right. And that allows me to really utilize my money in the best way. So I say, make sure that you are on track for even standard retirement or that you are working to get yourself in a better position. And then this the second thing, which I think is so important and really, again, goes back to the inner wealth of someone like without the money, which is what my mom did 
for me is she literally made me feel like I can do anything mm-hmm. and not like, you know, like everyone gets a medal, like you're amazing when it was like yeah. not that great, but like meaning like <laughs> she instilled such a sense of self-worth and ambition in me. Like just, I guess by watching her, but I find that if I, if, even if I don't leave anything to my kids, right. And I do want to like leave them something like in terms of to help them get a start. I want to give them confidence and the ability to get through life and its challenges and to know that they are worthy of it. And I think so that internal wealth is kind of like what I'm teaching them is kind of like that resiliency and the little things that people can't necessarily always count or measure, but that makes people successful. That is the kind of things and the things I want to instill in my kids to make them eventually if they want, you know, have money, but more importantly, be happy. Mm, That was Literally the perfect end. Mic drop moment. Jamila, thank you so much for coming on the Gold Digger podcast. Thank you so much, Jenna. This is great. I think we need to give a round of applause for Jamila's three-year-old who was actually in the room while we were recording. To be a mother of three, to be an educator and someone who inspires just like Jamila does requires a lot of hard work. And I absolutely love not only her origin story, but how she used that to fuel what financial independence has looked like for her at different stages of her life. I am so inspired by Journey to Launch and the way that she creates journeyers and takes people on the journey with her encouraging them to define what financial independence looks like for them without giving them a one-size-fits-all blueprint, but more suggestions and steps they can take. This episode was so powerful, and I hope it leaves you feeling inspired and excited in your own pursuit of financial independence. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. Until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.